it's Molly Cox with SA2020 in our little podcast called The Story Goes in collaboration with KLRN. And we are in the, what is called the City View studio today, which I, I don't know that we rolled the City View studio out just for you, Mike, but I um, usually we're in a closet. Exactly. Well, I like the view. I mean, we're sitting here right on Broadway. I can see towards downtown. This is great. It's beautiful. It's very nice. I know. And so I... And the cameras are off. That's also very nice. (laughs) And it's still just podcasting, which is fine. That's right. Um, So just as a reminder, The Story Goes is an opportunity for us to speak more specifically about a full story of the people and the organizations who are quietly and sometimes loudly uh, changing the way San Antonio operates. And we have been sort of super focused on finding organizations who maybe we kind of know their mission Mm -hmm. um, and maybe we don't necessarily know the full breadth of the impact that they have. Exactly. um, Which I appreciate a lot. Mike Bennett is here, the executive director, CEO, president of all things. I'm making up your title. That's fine. Continue. That's all. All that's good. um, The Arc of San Antonio. Correct. Um, And we're going to talk a little bit more about the Arc of San Antonio. Uh, Before we do that, though, it's been interesting to me the people that we've had on, particularly those in the nonprofit sector and their trajectory to get to sort of where they are. Um, We spoke with Nicole Omri, who's over at CAC, and she um, started as an artist in CAC and now is like running part of CAC. Mm -hmm. Um, We've spoken to people like Don Dixon over at Connectability at Warm Springs, who had sort of an interesting trajectory, and uh, Angela White over at Alpha Home, who was in corporate sector America, uh, and then is now running a nonprofit. You, on the other hand, are like original, hardcore nonprofit dude. Indeed. You've always been in nonprofit sector. That is correct. And I met you when you were running um, the local chapter of the American Red Cross. That's right. And That's you, right. We, we were talking before we got um, on air. I put that in quotes. It's my air quotes. Um, and you said that you were with the Red Cross for 37 years. 37 years. Which yep. is, a, I mean, you look good for 112. I thank you. You're welcome. Um, and 37 years is basically how old I am. I mean, minus 10, because I'm like 25-ish. Precisely. Yeah, no, Precisely. true. You, what you said was you graduated college on a Friday and you started work on a Monday? I did. And you always knew you were going to go into nonprofits? No. Okay. But I was always prepared for it because, as in many cases with what I'd like to consider myself to be a successful man, uh-huh. there was a woman behind it, okay. and it was my mother. Okay, and got when it. I was 12, she walked into me during the summer of my 12th year and said, next summer, you can volunteer for the Red Cross, so you're going to. And I said, okay, I thought volunteering was voluntary. And she said, not <laughs> no. in this house. Voluntold. No, no, no. You were voluntold. Not, yeah, I was voluntold. Yeah, that's right. So I started as a youth volunteer when I was 13. Okay. So by the time I got out of college, I had all of that experience of volunteering for all of those years in different assignments with the Red Cross. Uh Now, the plan was not to do that, though, as a paid career. The plan was to save lives as a physician. Okay. But that basically bonged out my freshman year when I darn near close didn't get out of freshman year. And my advisor said, you're not going to make it to med school with these (laughs) grades, so why don't you have an alternate path? (laughs) Yes, physicians sound so nice. Yes, and I developed one. He was very nice, but he just said, this isn't going to work. <laughs> you, so, you're not a doctor. So. I went in another direction. Thousands of people are alive today because I didn't make it in freshman <laughs> year. Uh, but at any rate, 
so then I still wanted to say, stay in something medical, and the Red Cross was the largest national provider of blood products at the time. Okay. Okay. And so I went into the Red Cross blood services side of, the, of, of, of that operation when okay. I came out of college. I was in that for about 16 years, and I transitioned to what folks here in San Antonio would recognize as a local Red Cross chapter. Okay. Disaster services, service to the armed forces, health and safety things, CPR, first aid, blah, 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 okay. all that kind of stuff. Okay. And I spent the rest of my career with the Red Cross doing that kind of work. Okay. Okay. But uh, at year 37, an opportunity came to change to another organization, Daughters okay. of Charity Services, yeah. which is a primarily a South Side agency here in town. Yes. Uh, and one of the great things about their operation was it had a medical dental clinic for financially indigent folk, okay. but it also had an early childhood education program. Okay. And that really got me excited because you're talking to agencies all the time about how do we fix things, how do we improve things in San Antonio? That's right. You start by getting to folks when they're young and giving them better opportunities, and then Absolutely. you don't develop problems down the road. Education mm -hmm. is a big deal. That's so right. that was a great piece of Daughters of Charity Services, but then another opportunity came along okay. to join the Ark of San Antonio. And so that's how I wound up being in this studio with you looking at Broadway. That's right, because I wouldn't have called you otherwise. That's right. Only with the Ark of exactly. San Antonio. You, um, I'm intrigued by the fact, one, was your were your parents volunteers? Uh, my mother, <clears throat> excuse me, my mother was the volunteer. Okay. okay. My dad had a, a job where he traveled a lot, so he would volunteer on weekends or whatever, but she was the one who volunteered on weekdays because at that point in time she didn't work okay. routinely okay and that's what sets sort of the tone yeah i think it's really um i don't know that we talk enough about it in our own like families right yes. um, yes. parents really do have the opportunity to sort of instill very early on an enormous impact yeah and, and i'm i'm no student of how parenting has changed over time sure but i simply know that i was raised in a household where certain things weren't um up for discussion. Okay. Volunteering was considered to be important, yeah. but more importantly, lying on the couch all summer was considered not to be important. <laughs> like so it was like, you can do something with your time and I'm going to offer you an opportunity right. to do it. And this community is shot through with people uh -huh. who, however, they got that message in their lives, yeah. do these kinds of things every day. They do it for us at the Ark of San Antonio right. by helping us with the folks we serve, or they do it on our boards or other boards or Whatever. Yeah, I mean, no. this is a, this is, of all the places we've lived, and we've lived now, I guess, in seven different cities, this probably has the best volunteer vibe, if you will. San Antonio of any, San Antonio, of any city that we've lived in. I mean, I feel like we can use that for something. Like Absolutely. a t-shirt. Uh, oh, I think we can use it for a lot like of And then we just say, like, Mike Bennett lives, lived well, seven places. And hey, this uh, is whatever, whatever we do, the point is, San Antonio is a great city for nonprofit collaboration. I agree wholeheartedly. It's funny, we did a, an impact study. I, I know we're sort of going off on a tangent, but we did an impact study with the organizations, nonprofit organizations that mm -hmm. partner with SA 2020. It's about 126 organizations right. at the time that we did this study. And we looked, there was over a million hours served by volunteers to the organizations, yes. which if you do the math on, it's $24 and some exactly. change an hour yes. for a volunteer, right. right? It's like billions of dollars mm -hmm. that is That's returned, right, right to right. The, our community. Um, and we always, when we're tracking volunteer hours, typically find that our um, numbers are lower mm -hmm. um, than other states. And yet, yes. it's because we don't track church exactly. service or, hey, I'm helping my friend down the street do That's it. Right. You have to be able to track it. So yes. I'm intrigued by the fact that you've seen volunteer services. Oh, yeah. Thing. No, no, no. This Because I've been in places where you saw it, but you didn't see it to the extent that you see it here. 
and with the close collaboration. This is the most collaborative community that I've lived in in seven communities. I, no disrespect to the others. No, no, we won't name them. No, we won't. Um, I mean, we could Starting if we with, wanted but to. No, we won't, we won't <laughs> you could them. list the names. Yes. But we see the same things with SA2020, which mm -hmm. is why, to be fair, when KLRN came to us and said, like, hey, let's do this podcast together, for us it was like, oh, it's a perfect opportunity to show exactly how San Antonio yes. is collaborating in ways that are pretty interesting. Let's talk about the arc of San Antonio specifically. Um, can, what is What is it? Sure. As with many, like, as with I'm, many agencies. I'm a great interviewer. Yes, you I are. I ask real good oh, questions. Oh, you absolutely do. Well, what you do. Well, you're bit. like Terry Gross. Tell, <laughs> tell me about your organization. And off you go. Okay. That's exactly right. Um, basically, Oprah. it's pretty simple. Um, the there, Ark of wait, San Antonio. Hold on. We're going to wait. We're going to let them go is by? This a, is this a funeral procession? It is. It is. Of course it is. Oh, okay. They're just... And they're, they're just clearing the Okay, they're just clearing. So we're good. Okay. Yeah. Now tell us part what of, the Ark Part of everyday life. I know. It's the City View studio. The Ark of San Antonio, like many good organizations, was started by parents. Okay. And it was started by parents in 1954 because in 1954, the resources for special needs individuals, which is terminology some folks use, intellectually and developmentally disabled individuals, which okay. some folks use, um, were few and far between. Okay. So the parents bond, you know, came together and said, we have to figure out a way to find more resources because this is heavy lifting. Okay. okay. So over the years, the ARC has been a leader in this community and across the country by getting into different lines of service for the families and the actual individuals who have special needs. And so here in, in San Antonio, at one point, we ran group homes, okay. but it became clear that that wasn't our best mission. That was for others to run. And so that moved to other agencies. Um, and we did children's uh, after school and summer programming for a while but there are many other organizations better suited. Okay. So we let that go at some point. So where we're focused now is in two big areas. We run a what's known as a dehabilitation program okay. for adults. We take folks who are 18 to whatever age they are. We have a 79-year-old participant All in right. our program. And we provide socialization. We provide exercise. We provide um, various and sundry kinds of enrichment, both in a congregate setting, if you will, within our building, and then bringing folks out in the community. Okay. So on any given day, in fact, coming here, Andy and I were talking about the fact that, you know, the double-decker cruise bus or, or tour buses, yeah. we need to get our participants on one of those one day Absolutely. to give them a different view that they might not have had mm -hmm. of San Antonio. Okay. Point is, this helps 280 folks on a weekly basis okay. improve their lives, come into contact, with other folks sure. who may have similar or not so similar disabilities and get along and, and make their lives better. So that's I, a great part of the program. I want to talk a little bit about that. Um, it, it reminds me of sort of like our senior centers in town or a community yes. center, yes. right, where it sort of gets people out of their homes. Exactly. Something that um, very specifically came up in the conversation with Don Dixon with connectability yes. was this idea that when um, a physical disability happens and mm -hmm. you don't have the opportunity to get out of your house, you become right. very isolated. Correct. And I would imagine, and I forgive me for making that comparison, mm -hmm. but in an intellectual uh, disability, um, there is also a space around isolation, I would assume. Absolutely. And you can very much be isolated at home if your family doesn't have the resources to get you out. Let's say both parents need to work. Sure. What happens to you? Okay. The thing we like to talk about is the fact that there are more resources for children with special needs. Okay. But when you get to approximately between 18 and 22 and you leave the school system, mm -hmm. that stuff stops. Okay. okay? <clears throat> Excuse me. And what's more important, um, 
adults are not paid the same attention to in terms of those funding sources and sure. so forth as the children were. Okay. So if you don't have a plan, then all of a sudden you may be sitting home on a sofa. Okay. Because no one has the anyway. So we offer the possibility of a place to come, absolutely interact, learn new things, uh, and and learn more about the community as well. You said that there were two things that you're really focused on. Did I? Right? Yes, you, so you, you did hear that. One is dehabilitation. It is. Okay. It is. And then the other. And the other is what we call, in a lot of words, case management, community outreach, and um, and I like to use the term navigation. Okay. So if you step back from the fact that an individual has a set of needs or disabilities that they're coping with and they have a family, it's very difficult sometimes for families to figure out how they get all these different needs met in a community where unfortunately you cannot go to a single place and have all things happen. Mm -hmm. There are things going on in this community where that will be easier, but it'll never be all in one place. Okay. So our case managers, our outreach workers, they work directly with families to say, tell us about your situation, tell us what you think you need, mm -hmm. and let us direct you to the resources that are available in the community. Okay. And so that's why I call it navigating, because it's literally stormy water out there for some folks. Sure. And it changes. You know, if, if parents who are listening to this will think of how difficult it is to navigate a neurotypical child's development and what you deal with at five is not what you deal with at 10 or 15 or then college or work or whatever. Right it's even harder for these individuals because they need more particular pieces okay. done. You've got to coordinate them. They're not all available through the same sources. Okay. We help plow folks way through that and help them get that done. Do you, I, we were talking a little bit um, before we got on that you, you were talking most specifically about funding sources yes. um, and the idea, to me, I can't even imagine trying to navigate Right. 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 Yes. Any, I, and I'm talking any of it. Right? Exactly. That's Medical, right. education, anything. Mm -hmm. There always is never sort of a one stop. Where can I go to just get the information I need? So That's I right. imagine that the navigation part that you're providing is both helpful, mm -hmm. um, but also sort of relieves some stress. It's and emotionally supportive. Yeah, That's exactly I, right. What is the talk to me about funding in this space? Like how not just you, but generally, what are we looking at statewide? What are we looking at locally when we think about sort of something as mm -hmm. I would think important as what what you're doing? Yeah, exactly. Um, where does it come from? Well, it comes from a variety of sources, as it was most of, uh, with most of the agencies that are in town. Okay. You know, you're not single shot sourcing for, for right. funding. Um, but why can't we? Where's the single shot? Sourcing? Yeah, well, we, we, that'd be nice if <laughs> we could all pour it in the bucket. forever. Um, <laughs> on one of your recent podcasts, you talked about infinite needs, finite <clears throat> resources. resources. It, they, I get that all okay. the time. That's right. for all of us. Of I'm not, we're not saying in the special needs community that we have a lock on that. Sure. Everybody's got that. Of course. But, but our issue is this. Some money comes to the state of Texas from the federal government and is then put out into various programs. Okay. okay? But obviously the situation as to how much of that money is allowed to flow into the state can affect how much money there is to put out there. Right. And then there are state monies that are uh, driven by the legislature and so forth. In a nutshell, what I simply say to you is this, Texas is at the bottom of the list when you rank states on per capita expenditures on special needs individuals. And that's a very rough, I'll grant you that's a rough measure. Sure. And it involves, I'm sure, education as well as other things. But I give you this perspective. I've lived in about seven different states. When most people in this country hear the states of West Virginia or Alabama mentioned, 
in regard to social services, support for diseases, a lot of different things, they tend to think of those states as being low on the totem pole. Okay. And in many cases, they are. Sure. And I've lived in both, and I've seen that. But Texas is at the bottom on special needs, and Alabama and West Virginia are up in the 30s. Oh, now, that ain't okay. fabulous. No, but It's sure. a lot better than being 48th or 49th. That's right. So my point is to simply say, we as a special needs community have to become more assertive with our legislators to point that out and to say, these are folks with real needs, mm -hmm. and they are in most cases needs that a family cannot meet by themselves with their uh, with their resources sure. because they're so complex. Right. Their medical issues, their cognitive issues, their behavioral issues. Mm -hmm. It go on and on and on and on. Right. We can do better than, of course. than, than we're doing. And then you have the added bonus uh, of, as you mentioned earlier, because you're working with adult yes. populations, Correct. not child populations. Correct. I assume that that For the piece day of the program, pie gets even. We work with a lot of children with, in the case management and navigation. It. In fact, a, a ton of them, as a matter of fact. But yes, in terms of the, the day program, it's all adults. Okay. So my question then to you, right, is as we start thinking about the ARC and the populations that you serve, not only in the day habilitation, but then also in the navigation component of it. I, I'm, I'm curious, I would assume, right, that when we talk sort of very generically about your work, it's like, mm -hmm. thank you for the work that you do, and we sort mm -hmm. of, we, right. family well-being, and well done on health and exactly. fitness. But there's, I'm assuming, an economic competitiveness component to the work that you do? Is there space around navigating like where somebody potentially goes for school or the jobs that mm -hmm. are being available? Sure. Right. Um, I, we consistently say in San Antonio, or at least um, over the course of the last several months, we were in a municipal election, um, which I'm so glad is over now. Mm -hmm. um, the conversations that we were having as a community were very specific to like, we don't have jobs, which we know is untrue. Yes. It's 100% untrue. We correct. have all the jobs. We do not have the workforce to fill, to fill the, the jobs. jobs That's right? correct. So I'm curious, is that a component of the work that Absolutely. you do as well? It's unfortunately not a large component of what we at the ARC do. Okay but it's a large component of the IDD and special needs community. Okay. And I'll put it to you this way. Um, last year when Sean Kennedy was the chair of the San Antonio Chamber of Commerce, he started a program, which Paula Gold Williams is continuing this year, to try to encourage companies to be more open in their hiring practices and to bring in folks yeah. with intellectual and de uh, developmental disabilities. There are many jobs in many organizations that can be done Yes, you may have to modify some things, and yes, you're good, there's going to be some coaching involved and so sure. forth. So while we don't train folks at the ARC, we help folks sort of prepare to the point where they can say, maybe I would like to do that, and then we can refer them either to state organizations okay. or to local nonprofits like Unicorn Center, as an example, who can help them make that jump. And we've had a few folks in our program who literally made the jump on their own, okay. but sometimes they need additional work. When you talk about, um, there's components of this, right, where we say as a community that we believe that everybody, no matter their zip code, can have educational mm -hmm. opportunity or um, economic prosperity. Yes. And then we start to speak very specifically, and you sort of touched on it a little bit, this idea of bringing somebody in um, who has a disability and the uh, modifications or the that, that a company needs to make. Right. And it immediately the nervousness of what do you mean modifications and what mm -hmm. do I actually have to do? And that sure. I don't think that we can do that, which is counter right yes. to our values yes. as a community. Exactly. And it's not difficult 
when it we talk not, about modifications. It is not. It's not nearly as difficult as some might see. Um, I think it's clear to anybody who has been around a while that the average person may have difficulty, unless they have some background with a special needs individual, immediately relating to some of the things that they see mm -hmm. or that they hear. Mm -hmm. And that's understandable, but it's very easily overcome sure. once you understand. More importantly, in the employment setting, we've got employers here, like Whataburger, who go out of their way to do this work. I've heard uh, one of the senior executives of Denny's focus on the fact that they would have a very difficult time running their stores if they didn't have a fairly consistent flow of folks with special needs who come and help them staff those stores. Yeah. So you have to make a commitment to it. Yes, it does take some work. The state will help you. State employment agencies will help you. Other agencies will help you. You have to look at it. I feel like it's just, it goes back to sort of, we could do better, right? It's we like absolutely we can, can do, do better. We absolutely can do better. And it's just gonna take folks moving from a variety of different points to get attention paid. Um, I guess, let's talk, a, a, a bit about like your work in the community. I, I the special needs um, organizations, organizations yes. that work with our populations with special needs are right. like there's such an array of you, um, and it ranges from kids to adults and everything in between, and Correct. it's amazing. You're a very collaborative community. Extremely collaborative. And I would assume it's like a continuum of care. Hey, we don't do this, but we know exactly who. It's like pass offs, right? And I would assume that's also an incredible stress reliever for families if they know, hey, this organization and this organization work well together. Can you talk a little bit about sort of the idea? I know we keep talking, we're bringing it back up again, this like infinite need, finite resources. Mm -hmm. But I feel like there's a, a fantastic network of organizations who are working in this space yes. and who work well together. Precisely. And I'll give you an example of what I think I mentioned to you before we went on air. And that was the concept of how collaborative this community is. Sure. Several years ago, the Krinkowski Foundation said, when it came to the autism spectrum, mm -hmm. there was some work that needed to be done in San Antonio to, to do just that, to link people to more resources to help improve the state of our services. Okay. So they founded something called Autism Lifeline Links. Got it. Don't let the name throw you off if you're listening to this. While the focus is on autism, the agencies that participate under that collaborative banner, we serve everybody, okay? okay? And, and at, particularly at the ARC we do, at the ARC we don't focus on one particular thing like Down syndrome or the autism spectrum. We take folks with a very wide variety. But the thing about Autism Lifeline Links is they are deliberately trying to link us together so that they can A, gather data for the kind of advocacy I talked about, and B, link us electronically so that if we meet a family, and they need to go to any baby can, we can fire an electronic message with some data already attached. Perfect. So they don't have to do the legwork all over again. Mm -hmm. We can talk to Brighton Center, we can talk to Special Reach or Respite Care sure. or you know, a variety of other organizations quickly and we can save the family some time. Okay. So that's a really important part of how we all work together. To, to, to help folks over those transitional bumps. There's something very, um, I guess, specific for me. I'm mildly obsessed with nonprofit sector, obviously. Yes. Um, but it's also there's a, a component of the nonprofit sector being able to sort of step into these spaces that have major gaps, mm -hmm. right? Yes. Um, and I feel like just in like this conversation with you, we're having a funding gap, obviously. 
um, are and resource gaps generally. There's a challenge between um, children with special needs and adults with special needs right. and a gap there as mm -hmm. well. And I, the nonprofit sector steps in in such a beautiful way. Mm -hmm. So uh, we started this entire thing talking about volunteers nice. and sort of getting involved in that way and how San Antonio really has stepped up to the plate. I We like to end every podcast with sort of a call to action. Mm -hmm. Yes. And I feel like, and maybe I'm wrong, so I'm going to use my own naivete to say it. I feel like when we talk about special needs sometimes, it becomes so, it's uncomfortable. Like, we, we're not exactly sure, what are we supposed yeah. to say? How are we supposed to behave? Sure. What are we supposed to do? And I'm curious if there's, like, a call to action for you that's more about visiting some of these organizations and seeing that it's not nearly as uncomfortable or nerve-wracking as you think it is. One of our participants in the day program has said, and I won't quote her exactly, but she's basically said <clears throat> the disabilities that she contends with yeah. uh, don't change the fact that she's just like the rest of everybody else inside. Yeah. She's a human with wants, needs, aspirations. Yeah. And she simply has to cope with some things that most of us don't have to right. cope with. So if I were going to call this community to action, I would simply say, reach out to folks with special needs, learn to understand what those needs are, yeah. and you're going to see that, yes, they're just like everybody. We're just, we're all people. Yeah. We just need a little extra understanding, perhaps. And then more importantly, if you can, and if you're willing, get involved, because all the organizations I mentioned, and certainly at the ARC, yeah. we put volunteers to work every day to be part of what we do. What would a typical volunteer day look like at the ARC? Uh, it could be a variety of things. Okay. It could be helping with some of those social activities that I mentioned. You know, we have monthly dances. We have annual talent shows. Uh, they can come help us with me getting hit in the face with pies, you know, once a year. <laughs> so you're saying they, a volunteer could come and throw a pie at you? The, oh, yes. Oh, right. We, could, we can mean, make that happen. It may, be, it may be that they want to help the ARC. It may be they just want to throw a pie at you. Whichever, you, you'll take it. We can make that happen for radio hosts. Uh, we, oh, wait. Absolutely. I don't yes. want to, as a podcast person, I'm not in. I'm done. I cannot do it. You cannot do that? Um, oh, too bad. I mean, I would take a pie in the face if it but was the point necessary. Is, the other thing, when I say volunteering, there's yeah. another piece of it, and that is the employment piece for folks who are going into physical therapy, occupational therapy, oh, speech therapy. Yeah. When those folks are in training, they need a place to practice. That's exactly right. We're a place to practice. You're like, welcome. And so we work with all of those schools, nursing schools and others, okay. to bring those folks into our setting. And so they bring a lot. To what goes on in our we also have therapy dogs that come visit so if you're a therapy dog volunteer you might wind up at the arc of san antonio love okay you know, there there aren't too many limitations since we're trying to help folks exceed their limitations sure. we're not going to set too many right i love that yeah. um i i love that a lot um let's talk um real quick about um, from a volunteer perspective, we've got that place. Uh, we've got, if, if a parent is listening, a family member mm -hmm. of a person with special needs, they can call you on the phone and absolutely. you can help them navigate. Yes. Oh, absolutely. Okay. We have, in fact, we have three different shops that do this case management or, or outreach to families kinds of work. But every day, one of the folks in one of those shops is the case manager of the day. Okay. And calls that come in cold get directed to that individual okay. who listens enough to say, okay, good. This is what we need to do next. And that may be to refer to someone in our shop. Yeah. Or it may be to say, you know what? That's an any baby can thing. Okay. What you're asking about is right up their alley. So this is where you need to go. And we'll help you, you know, do that kind of thing. Sure. But the ARC wants to be a place where everybody in this community comes for information and referral and hope. 
okay. in terms of we can deal with this. We just need some help. Oof. This idea of like not setting limitations. I love that so much. Mike, thank you for doing this. Well, thank you for having me. I was a little bit frightened because, you know, I've been around you a lot in public spaces. Yeah. And normally you're a very rapid speaker. And since I listen to podcasts on one and a half times speed, uh -huh. I was thinking this can be very hard to keep up with her, but you've made it comfortable. Did so I do you. it? Okay, you good. You did good. Excellent. Oh yeah, you did I, good. Uh, and you have a coffee in your hand. You still made it I, good. I've been drinking coffee since like 7 a.m. today. There you go. And it's, we're in the afternoon by this point. We are. Um, I, yeah, I mean, I've appreciated you since I've met you over at the Red Cross. And I think it's, it, it is admirable that you have made your life's work nonprofits. Well, it's been a fun life to have had all those experiences. And in turn, we're proud to be part of SA 2020. That's something just like uh, Autism Lifeline Links. That's something that in this community, you don't see it uh, all over the country. You don't see it modeled. So we're setting some real good tone for the rest of the country. I, I, I appreciate that you said that. The check is in the mail. Good, I, good. I, I know we- Make it out to the Ark of San Antonio, just only, so folks don't think I'm getting a yeah, check. Yeah, it's only 20 bucks, but- yeah, That's okay. Yeah, we so. take $20 checks, <laughs> right Andy? Um, this uh, is our next episode of The Story Goes. Again, a collaborative podcast with KLRN and SA2020. Everything that you've heard about today will be online at klrn.org slash the story goes. And, you know, don't set limitations. It's a good one. Amen. <laughs>